All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Bill Podcast. This is episode number three of our four-episode series recorded live on the high seas during the high seas rally. Hey, this episode of the Garage Bill Podcast is brought to you by SNS Cycles. Since 1958, SNS has led the V-Twin aftermarket from innovative new ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twins, sportsters, and M8s to today's must-have exhaust components. Choose SNS Cycles for your next performance upgrade. Visit sscycle.com and follow SNS Cycles on social media at sscycle. Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee is located only minutes from the tail of the dragon. Team Dream Rides specializes in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit teamdreamrides.com and follow at Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all of the latest news from John Jessup and his team. The High Seas Rally is going to set sail in 2023 out of Tampa, Florida. It is the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. We're going to hit Cozumel, Key West. It's going to be a blast. I had an amazing time. I can't wait for next year. Join me and all my friends as we sail the high seas for a seven-day cruise. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram to find out all of the latest information. 1620 Workwear is premium made in the USA workwear guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com. Use the discount code SPEED2022 and you're going to save 20% at checkout. That is the biggest discount that 1620 has ever offered and it's only for the listeners of this podcast. Cop yourself one of those... uh, awesome work hoodies they have. I've got a couple of them and they're indestructible. Follow at 1620USA on all social media to find out all the latest and greatest drops of clothing. And remember, everything is made here in the good old USFA and it's guaranteed for life. Today, my guest is Larry Couric from Lone Star Choppers. And he's just one of these gem of a humans that you find out that after all these years in the business, there's still people that you don't know yet. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Ah, welcome to back to the Garage Build Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hallman, and today my guest is Larry Kirick from Lone Star Choppers. Did I say it right that time at least? Yeah, you got it, man. Very good. Okay, no, cool. No problem. Um, you know what? It's funny. It's we're on the high seas rally, and so um, this is uh, this has been. I've never been on a cruise before, so I didn't know what to expect. Pretty but, cool. Yeah, it exceeded any expectation that I oh, could yeah. possibly have, and uh, it kind of you know you and I were talking a little bit about the fact that. Um, we miss out on so many networking opportunities now that shows like the V-Twin Expo don't happen and shows like, you know, the automotive industry has SEMA that's going on right now that was going on, right? Yeah, PRI. But PRI, that's the one, the performance racing industry, that show, man, that was such an awesome show. Yeah, still going. It is, but they moved it to Indiana, right? And I do believe, and they moved it out of Orlando. So it was in Orlando for a lot of years. So I got to go when that was going on. But I really wish we had something for our industry. We need it. We do need it, and so this could maybe be the start of something new. You know, I mean, it's going to be hard to get everybody here, but it just reminds us all how much we miss that. Yeah, Cincinnati was like the bomb, you know. Especially, I feel like that was where we went to find out what all of us were going to do for the whole year and make new plans. Yeah, and the connections that last a lifetime. Absolutely. And you figure out who's who. You do. You get to see people show their ass and find out if they're what they're made of and what kind of ilk they are, and you know, it's it's and how much hang time they can have. Yeah, <laughs> you and I had some pretty heavy hang time last Ooh, night. Man. I think I went back to my room at two forty-five, and, yeah. and you you had just either right around the same time. Yeah. Um, you know what? I go back to um, I talk all the time about the motorcycle industry, and because uh, 
that's really all I know anymore for the last 19 years. It's just been, that's been what it is. And I know that you're, you're far more tenured than I am in, in that. You're a bit more seasoned uh, than, than what I am. <laughs> but um, this is why I love the industry so much, is I already thought, like, when we don't go to Cincy and we don't have those opportunities, I feel like, okay, I already know everybody that's out there. And then I run into you here and there's just this thing that happened when I saw you. I'm like, I didn't want to come up to you and approach you because I knew I knew you, but I didn't know where I knew you from. And I know we never had any conversation, but you're just somebody that we've been in the room. I guarantee you we've been in the room probably 50, 60 times with each other over the last 19 years and just never did this, right? Right. It's just more proof of the hidden gems that are in this industry. People like yourself that you have so much knowledge and you've done this for so long. Long <clears throat> real long so why don't you give me a little bit of your backstory i here's what i know about you uh you and i um you and i found out that we had some mutual uh acquaintances that we knew um uh, that we both kind of had different relationships with but where does your where's the you showed me your first motorcycle yeah. right um but where's the genesis of this being what you did for a living <clears throat> it just it's it I hate to say it came naturally, but it's been a lot of work. But I, I, uh, I wanted a motorcycle since I can remember. And the only way I could get one was, you know, work my ass off, mowing yards, etc. cetera. Uh, whatever I could do, chores. This is right. 10, 11 years old. Sure. And um, this guy that worked at a Kawasaki shop had a Yamaha basket case and <clears throat> I think I paid $75 for it over time. Sure. Know? And it was completely taken apart, even down to the, the spokes out of the wheels. A few years later, I find out that there may have been a questionable background of this motorcycle because I never got a title for it. <laughs> right. So regardless, I, he, Andy told me that I was going to have to, if I was going to ride motorcycles, I'm going to have to work on them. Yeah. And, and learn how to work on it from the get-go. And he and some other mechanics and... And long story short, I put it all together, had to go eight miles on a bicycle one way to get parts from the Yamaha shop, and got it together. And the owner of that shop took me to a motocross race with that bike. And the bike, although it ran well, um, it didn't handle. And he had a brand new 250 on the trailer. And he says, why don't you take that out for a while? Uh, I ended up racing that 250. While I was out practicing on it, he scratched me from the, the the class I was in and moved me in a 250. First race, uh, 11 years old. That's a lot of motorcycle for a grown man. Well, he also had a 500 and he said, take that out. So I did and I was like, fuck that. I don't know. <laughs> that, that thing's great for wheeling, but. They're widow makers. Yeah. I mean, they're really, I think a 500 is really good for showing off and for hill climbing. Yeah, it's not, in later years I did a, a Baja adventure on a 500 and it's a two stroke and it's, Although it's fast as hell, um, they suck up a whole lot more gas than a four-stroke. And right. when you run out of gas, um, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, when you're in a Baja situation. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Do you ever look at? Um, do you ever look at like? You think about all the things that you've done. And you think about there's there's got to be a laundry list of things that you still want to do. I mean, I think that's what keeps us going, right? Absolutely. Do you ever look at that and and look back at all the things you've done and realize, wow, like I. Even though I've done a lot of things and I'm getting I'm getting up in my years and you're not by any means are you old enough to, to hang it up, but you're starting being a little bit more cognizant of your mortality and you know your kids are grown now and things like that and you've been in business for a long time to where you're like I've done a lot and I can still do more. You know, it doesn't take a lot you could you could take two years of your life and dedicate it to something and high achieve and it's only twenty four months. Yeah. And it goes by in the blink of an eye. It does. Yeah. There's a couple things on my laundry list. Sure. I don't like bucket lists. I hate bucket lists. Yeah. So uh, some comedian said change the B to an F. Yeah, I call it a fuck it list. Just and fuck then, it. I'm going to do this. good. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's no goal expected. You just go do it. No, right? I mean, you don't have to go every into everything you do with this. You know, you've got to be a world champion this or world champion this. It's like, you know, the experience of things is. Yeah, but. But we're competitive in nature. That's my biggest problem is whatever I venture into, I want to be 
the best I can be, which a few times has made me the best that there is. That's really good. Can you tell me about some of those times? Just, just you know, crazy shit. Like I, uh, I ended up, I ended up as a hot air balloon pilot for a few years. Right, and you say a few years, and to be a hot air balloon pilot, it's training. Uh, yeah, you get signed up. It's uh, regulated by the FAA. And you don't do that anymore. It's like, uh, well, you know, we on this on this journey that we've been on this last seven days, we've spent a lot of time with professional musicians. Oh yeah. And I always thought, like, man, it would. It must suck to, and I don't think this way anymore, but I thought, man, it must suck to like be in one of the biggest bands in the world and then you're not anymore. And then I started thinking about it because I compare everything to, you compare a cheap trick to the Rolling Stones or you compare, you know, Kiss to, to the Beatles or something like that. Not because of their music style, because of how long tenured they're, they're, they've been. Size and, of venues. And impact they made on their industry. And it's like, once you've done that, you don't have to do that anymore. You've already done that, and you've already made those what? achievements. You know, when I go to, um, I have a friend that, that was a professional musician, or still is a professional musician, and uh, you know, you go to his house, and there's gold records on the yeah. wall and stuff, and it's like they can't take those achievements away from no, you. So it's no. like try to do as many different things as you can. Yeah, and that's me. You know, the like the touched on Baja. Uh, had a friend that said, "Hey, I'm going to go run Baja, and I'm building a team. Are you interested?" And, I, and there was no hesitation. I said, I'm in. What do we need to do? And he goes, Well, uh, you got a dirt bike. He goes, Get a bigger one and start practicing. And you know, we we got a fab a bike. So we took a, a t- aluminum frame KX250, cut the rails out of it, put a KX500 engine in it. Lost about 180 pounds in the process, uh, and w- bought a old church bus and off to Baja we went. And it was. Uh, you know, it beat the hell out of you. <laughs> what do you think when you're when you're going into a new thing like that? What do you think's the biggest barrier to entry? Is it money? Is it is it always money? It's always money. You can do anything with money, and I've always had this attitude, which is not the best for all situations, but it's you kind of do it. Money will always come back. Time and opportunity doesn't. You can always you can start from zero. All the time. Right. You know, spend all the money you have to do something and then go, well, that didn't work out so well. But you may have some assets that you can sell and start over. You know, just drive. Uh, But but if the opportunity comes along and you don't seize it, it may never come back. It turns into regret, right? It's like a callus that doesn't go away that you don't use. Yeah, and then I had the opportunity a long time ago. I didn't realize what was being said at the time. Just a dumbass, 16 years old, and my personal doctor was also AJ Foyt's personal physician. Okay. So um, there was a party, and I'm there, and uh, it was actually at my mother's house, and AJ wanted to see the car I was building. I was building a '67 Chevelle to go drag racing. Right. And so we're out in the garage looking at it, and he was, you know, complimenting me on it, and he said, "Hey, you ever thought about uh, midget racing?" And I said, what do you mean? I didn't even know about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I said, oh, you know, that's going around an oval on dirt? He said, well, we, then we step up to asphalt. And uh, it's like, uh, yeah, man, I'm just interested in going as fast as I can in a straight line. And that was the end of the conversation. And about a month later, uh, bronchitis or something, I go to my doctor's office. And he was always real flamboyant when he'd enter the exam room, you know, and he threw the door open and slammed it and looked at me and he says, boy, you fucked up. And I go, what'd I do? I'm just here. I'm sick. And he says, AJ was offering you a ride. Wow. And and I said, nobody told me that. And he says, well, he felt you out and felt you might have an opportunity. Um, I said, I'm in. And he goes, it's a one-time shot with him. Yeah. It's amazing that that kind of stuff. There are people that operate in in that space. And yeah, they kind of hide what their true intention is. Yeah, and it's not a nefarious thing. I think it's because maybe too many people have been takers around them. Absolutely. And so that just becomes a um, learned behavior and a, a, like almost a chemical response to Ooh, yeah. how people how people yeah. act. And you know, I, I I think that you know that's why I've always tried to cultivate talent where I can. Sometimes I find myself cultivating talent where there isn't any or where there isn't any drive. 
And so has there ever been a situation where you've, now that you've just told me that story about AJ Foyt, where you've tried to, to do that and where you want to like grab somebody by the shoulders and just go, Hey man, you know? Yeah. A few times I've seen people with extreme talent and they just, you know, they're sitting in the bar every evening and not grinding, you know? Right. Um, it's hard to get distracted when you've got your nose to the grindstone, you know, just go for it. There's, it's nonstop. That's me. I work seven days a week. Right. Um, I try not to work so much on Sundays. Right. Uh, some days my, my days are really long. I work by myself. I have for years. Tell me, tell me about what, a, what an average work day looks like for you. I know it doesn't sound like it's average if you're working that many hours, but uh, you seem to enjoy it. What is, what is it that, that you're trying to accomplish every day? How do you set your day up? It's, it's pretty organic. Yeah. Um, usually with a few interruptions from coming from different things. I do a lot of uh, contract fab work for, for people that can't. Right. And sometimes something will get dropped on me that has to be done right away. So, you know, here goes the day. Sure. But uh, a lot of stainless fabrication, welding, machining. Is it all motorcycle-based or is it all kinds of different it's stuff? everything. Yeah. Um, I, I had a project a couple of weeks ago. It was industrial. And... That was cool. And then, do you find that that's something that's used to pay the bills? That's your phone. <laughs> is that something that's used to pay the bills, or is it used to increase your skill or keep you fresh-minded? I mean, you know, obviously, you got to stay in business. But do you go looking for those other challenges, or do those other challenges find you? They kind of find me, right? And there's a few companies that I do work for. I do some design work for a couple of companies, and actually fabrication of their products which is is crazy i can't believe you know it's like well you don't have any welders in your town right or in your in your employee if you're if you want to achieve this it's it's really kind of i wanted to ask you about that because one of the things that we talked um you know privately about was the level of r&d that you did in the motorcycle industry say 20 years plus ago like when before everything was CAD, before you could just buy SolidWorks and learn it on a laptop and have a 3D printer. It seems like every student now has a killer laptop that would dwarf any PC that we had 20 years ago. And they have some sort of a um, 3D printer where they can yeah. they can prototype their own stuff. So talk to me a little bit about how, how you feel about... Um, that change in the industry is that something that you view with optimism or is it something that you view with like man that's it just it's a bit more pasteurized than what i care for there's a balance of you can integrate both of them together and make Mm -hmm. it work you know old schools an example there's a there's a company that i just did a big project for and the i I can run solid works right I, i can draft i had four years of drafting um I don't, I don't do uh, SolidWorks simulations or in a master cam or anything. But for me to do that, since I don't do that every day, is a bit of a time eater. So the project cost goes up just due to my time. So, so long story, uh, the way that I've, I've changed that is, fuck it, I'll just make the part. And right. I'll hand it to you. And then you, don't you have replicate to, it. Right. You reverse engineer this, your draft guy can throw it into SolidWorks. If you feel you need to print it, print it. But here's a hard part you can bolt on. And the owner of the company is like, that's brilliant. You know, we never thought about that. Because their way of doing it is they get an idea, they draft it in CAD, then they tweak it, then they print it, and then, oh, it doesn't fit, so they have to change it. Well, my shit fits when it's done you know here's your finished part yeah i feel that i call that doing the maze backwards yeah you know where it's almost easier to start at the back of the maze and work your way through and i don't think either way is right or wrong don't no. get me wrong i'm not i'm not judging that but i i think we've lost something in the motorcycle industry in that, that we don't have these guys like you craftsmen yeah like there's nobody there's very few people my age that do things the way you do it and there's even fewer people that are 10 20 years younger than now that I'm almost 50 there are guys that are 20 years younger than me that are 30 years old right. and that's how old I was when I started my career so I know where that headspace is and I know how creative they want to be and I know what kind of resources a 30 year old can have at this point you if you're getting a four-year degree you're probably done with it 
even if you got your four-year degree, you're probably six, eight years into your career. And so you have like a trajectory that you're going on. So I just feel like there's, I feel like there's something missing in that, in the motorcycle industry in particular. Yeah, there is. Um, the way it's always been for me is uh, I make the, like when I build a bike, mm -hmm. I, I buy very few things. I make everything for it because I get exactly what I want and it costs a whole lot less. I don't charge myself labor. Right. You know, so. Yeah, sure. My, and my time is, I know what it's worth, but it does, it's, it, I don't have a limit on doing It's kind of a gift to yourself that you yeah. give yourself. And I don't have a deadline per se, so it yeah. can lay out there for years. Deadlines are something that um, it's probably, if I had to pick something that would be the biggest area for uh, mediocre. Well, me, well, yeah. So <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But that if there's something that I could really work on, it would be to create deadlines for myself and, and stick to them. But it, it's so hard because things come at you from all different angles. Well, you don't know. Yeah. I don't work by myself. So you can hold yourself accountable and you can say, Hey, guess what? Self, you're not going home early tonight. Self. And we're going to order food in self or eat at midnight. Self yeah, yeah. where, you know, I have people that, I, they want to end their work day and go home. Yeah, and, which is awesome. Yeah, I wish God I could love do them. that. Yeah, you know, I walk out of my shop, whatever time, in about three hundred feet uphill to my house. Do you ever get into a situation where you feel like you're not doing enough? It, almost every day, but other people tell me I work too much. You know, like this trip right here. It was coined that I was going on forced relaxation. I can't. I don't have any cell service. I can't, I can't tech, uh, there's a text occasionally. You sure, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm not on the internet, I'm not in my shop working, and I'm just here kind of hanging out, chilling. Yeah, I felt like uh, three quarters of the way through the trip, I felt like a piece of shit because I wasn't at work. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I had to have that conversation with myself where I'm like, listen, there's nothing you can do about that, so yeah. why don't you take it in? And then so like yesterday was probably one of the most perfect days of my life the only thing missing was been that my wife wasn't here but we got up in the morning we got off the boat we all went to the beach together we spent some time with each other in the yep. water talking and then we spent some time with other people talking had i didn't even drink a, that much yesterday like didn't party but i took it all in and yeah. you know we ended up going to bed super late and and so it, it's it, it's a full day yeah and then every one of them is full out here Seems yeah. like you're either eating or drinking or doing both. You know? Yeah, and which is one of the most important. I think eating with someone is the most important thing you can do with them. When you break bread, it's such a absolutely. It, it it's kind of cements the family thing. You know, it does, and it's something that we're really big on in this industry. Um, you said that you have the ability to kind of do things that are in and outside of the motorcycle industry. Can you tell me what the perfect deployment would be for you or the, the perfect assignment for you would be or the perfect part would be for you to do the perfect job to walk me through what that would look like from from stem to stern i mean you know as far as the, the person you're doing it for and, and why you're doing it and do you ever get emotional like uh, attached to to your work oh, absolutely that that's the i want it to be the best it can be um there's been failures but to to make it the best you pour a lot of yourself into it if you're making the part you're Fab, fabbing it, you know, you're going to bleed on it right. at some point. So it's like wheels on motorcycles. Spokes have been on everything I do because right. they have heart and soul. Machines okay. don't make spoke wheels. True. You know? So whoever crafted that wheel poured them a little themselves into my motorcycle because they made this gorgeous wheel. You know, I like 120 spoke wheels. Right. So, um, CNC machine wheels are awesome too, but it's just not, they don't have any soul right? at all. They take a blank, bolt it in a machine, push a button, walk away, come back, take it out, and you got a wheel. Yeah, they kind of blow it off. And, and that's what I was trying to talk about, about how I feel like um, the homogenization of so many things, meaning like all these things kind of pushed into one funnel yeah. to get this product out the back. It's it, it it's a bit soylent green to me. It's great for the bolt-on industry, right? But I don't know. I still have a problem with some of that, right? So you're one of these guys that every part you buy, you buy it, knowing that you are going to machine it to make it fit the way you want it to fit. If you have to use someone else's part, 
So how much of that plays into what part you buy? I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, uh, I don't factor anything into it. It's just you make it work, you make it how you want it. You know, I finished a bike last year that everything on it was either handmade or modified. There was nothing left alone the entire motorcycle. I took a set of stock. I don't know if you can say it was a set. I built a street tracker with the okay. big big inch shovel head. Right. And I really liked the style of, hey, it's a cast wheel, but a, a Harley Davidson Enforcer. But to do true tracker, it needed to have 19s front and rear. So I took two front wheels. I machined one of them, took the stanchions off of it to make it a single disc, narrowed the hub, and reset the bearing pockets, and I got a front wheel, a single-sided front wheel, to fit in a narrow glide, um, mid-glide front end. Um, the rear remachined the wheel to carry a sprocket, and the rotor was fine, except I took the stock rotors and put a wave edge on them because that seems to be... Yeah. Look, looks better. Right. But, you know, people are, man, I love those wheels. Who makes those? I said, Harley. Yeah, but there's 19s. They're both front wheels, and it kind of, I get that tilted head from some people. You know, they're like, huh? I don't really, you know. I was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that called me kind of in a bit of a panic. Uh, they're putting an FXR together, and I'm by no means am I an authority on anything, but we were having the conversation. It was like, he bought a wheel. They don't make this wheel for an FXR, so he's trying to make it fit. And I said, hey, man, it's just a chopper. It's all if you approach bolts. it from a chopper standpoint, like chopper people, I think, um, are inherently used to nothing fitting, yeah. you know, and that's what makes a good chopper builder a great chopper builder is when everything looks like it fits. Well, yeah, there's a lot, and, of, and works. a lot of things that go in there, but yeah, don't make it sketchy. Sketchy shit ain't cool. No, <laughs> no, uh, you know, and that's why when you look at a guy like Rick Bray's work, um, there's nothing sketchy on his bikes and no. it all works and it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And he probably doesn't want to be called an artist either, but there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I always tell people, like, uh, I don't try to classify myself into one one no. place, but I've had people call me a lot of different a lot of different things. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, some of it not so <laughs> nice, but... Yeah. Well, um, tell me a little bit about your time. So, now, you're based in Texas right now, right? No. Um, okay. I started the, the company in Texas. Okay. Um I, I was born and raised in Texas. Yep. Uh, started the company, got a DOT manufacturing certificate. And then I did a tenure in the far north running a, a big aftermarket company. And one day, uh, there was a whole lot leading up to it, but I left that company mm -hmm. and kind of stopped along the way uh, back to Texas in the Missouri area. Right. I, I actually live in Illinois now. Okay. And, uh, there's an area of Missouri that is close enough that where there's two... Isn't there like... There's almost like one metropolitan area that's close enough inside those borders to where you can live in one and work in the other. There's a couple states where they have that, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I live in Illinois. I live in farm middle of farm country. And it's I'm a half hour to St. Louis. So gotcha. I have everything I need in st louis yeah so if you plan your day right then going to get supplies or what yeah, is, is not the worst thing that's it, it's you know it just eats up the day how long of a uh how long of a of a time have you been working out of uh, a home-based shop how long have you had a space at home to where you could after you were done with your work day somewhere else you could go home and work more 24 years okay so that's something that you know, it's as a, as a big shop. I know? really want to do that. I really want to do, and not for any other reason other than I feel like um, the distractions of being in a commercial location, oh. uh, doing what I'm trying to do sometimes. It's hard are, to get anything done. It is. My doors are locked. I'm in the country. Nobody really knows where I'm at, um, except, you know, clients do. Right. But, and people don't drop in because they know that's kind of really not possible here you're not on the way to someone's no this that or the other thing if you're coming to my place you've got to a know where it's at and b you got to get there right yeah you, you're you're that's a purpose-built trip yeah to go there exactly um which is fine with me it pisses some people off you know and some people go well don't you get lonely it's like no i have my machines <laughs> i have my motorcycles yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a dog no i did but 
and I've had a bunch of dogs, but I decided when I had to put the last one down, that was it because yeah. it's just too fucking hard, man. It is. It is. We had to put a dog down this year, and it's like it's the worst. You watch the dog suffer, and then you. Sometimes I feel like I, we keep the dogs alive longer than you should. Longer than we should because you don't want to. In your in your mind, you're kill, you're gonna kill this thing that that has unconditional love for you. Yeah, you're gonna have. My grandfather taught me when I was a little kid. He says, "Listen, a dog's only purpose in life is to be your dog." Mm-hmm. And so, when you think about the something in those terms, it really ending it is not an option. But yeah, you have to. Yeah, it's like a best friend that you know at some point in time you're either gonna lose or you're gonna have to have put down. So yeah. it's, it's a tough deal. It's terrible. Um, so walk me through some of the, one of the things that I wanted to drill down on, you know, we talked about the, the lack of, uh, networking opportunities that maybe we have that are more, they're less, um, they're less meaningful, I think, when they're done through social media. And I think that's how way that the younger, younger crew, they don't have any other thing to compare it to. It, no. Um, the new crew, you know, it's like, I tell people, ask me any question you want. I'll tell I, I don't hold stuff back a lot of people do you know how'd you do that well this is where you start um, and you kind of assess if they're really wanting to know and you know but the 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 younger guys don't really have anybody to do that with because uh, I don't know where I'm going with this but a lot of people keep stuff really close to their chest well so I call that bulldogging and I think that's that's wrong to do that I would it agree is. with that you know, um, people help me get where I'm at I I've have a insatiable quest curiosity of knowledge so you know a i read every instruction sheet although i may know how to do it i can figure it out i know i can figure it out but right. there's certain nuances that hey they wrote those instructions for a reason yeah i i don't i i think i i've learned over the years to put more value in that more stock in that yeah. and less bravado and i can change a cam sure but if the more i read the instructions the less you know mistake potential there is but that's the key what we were talking about was getting back to a system where networking is something that's actually part of what we do because i think that when we had cincinnati that was something you knew you were going to have to do you were going to cincinnati even if you're going for a day yeah you, but it, it there's nothing i feel like our industry was allowed it allowed itself to shut down for it three did. days and do what we've had an opportunity to do over the last seven. Right, but this is not so much, I mean, there's a lot of industry people on this boat, but uh, it's not like Cincinnati where it's nothing but industry people. Do you feel that says something? Do you see that, what do you think that speaks? That there's so many industry, because there really are a lot of industry Because we're hungry for a show. So if anybody out there's listening that's thinking about promoting a big trade show, you know, let's bring it back. Yeah. There, there's a, it shrank. It, it got huge, and then it started shrinking. And it's just like with TV, you know, biker build-offs were a huge driving factor for bringing people into the business, bringing people to, well, at one point, everybody thought they were a bike builder, and that was a little bit of a problem, but that's, you know, coming gone. It put a lot of money into the into the business, and to be fair, that was the same era where I decided that that's what I wanted that's to do for a, do. a living. Yeah. You know, I, it, I would be... I would be wrong or lying or hiding the truth if I said that Paul Sr. and Paul Jr. didn't get my dad and I encouraged to do something together in a professional manner. Yeah. Even though I don't feel like they did a good job in a lot of what they did. I, at all. I'm in the... Yeah, I'm, I'm in, you know, without doxing somebody completely and, and divulging that, but we had some opportunities very early in my career to work on some of those bikes and be in some of those spaces and see some of the things that were done that were mind-blowingly okay this is not a design for riding yeah it's not the way you do it right you know, they they made something that they call theme bikes okay and i just had somebody on this ship ask me well, i'm think i'm thinking about building a theme bike and i go it's a motorcycle just build a motorcycle go ride it yeah well but i just want to do all these add-on stuff i said why you know could build a sculpture then that doesn't have an engine that won't kill you if you fuck something up right do you feel like the technology that of today of today's motorcycle especially harley davidson in particular because i know that's the area of, of uh expertise that you kind of orbit in do you feel like it's gotten to a point to where it's 
not feasible, not reasonable, or not even makes any sense for somebody to kind of do what is the necessity gone? Like necessity is a mother invention, right? And so we created a cottage industry in this. We, we couldn't get engines from the dealership. You couldn't get bikes from the dealership in the 90s. So all of a sudden, Big Dog and Titan and APC started building these 17-digit fin bikes that then had SNS engines and Baker transmissions. And it created all of these, these, this economy around that. Do you feel like today's motorcycles, being that they're so available, has it, has it kind of watered that down? To, to some degree, um, I think you're going to see a resurgence of it because the baggers are going to be here forever. Right. In some form or another. They were old geezer glides, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they were big wheel baggers. Uh, I remember uh, Billy Lane referring to them as garbage wagons at yeah, one point in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, shop trucks, whatever. Yeah. You know, with a big pizza box on the back. It's really handy. Then a large pizza will fit in a truck yeah. pack. Um, <laughs> But the new stuff is so locked up, you know. You got computers running everything, CAN bus technology, which, although it's good in one sense, it's terrible in another. You you, you can't put those lights on there because they're not going to work because the computer's not going to recognize, and you know you're screwed. Yeah, you're throwing something in there that's got no voltage drop. It's so it doesn't even recognize that yeah. it's there, like an LED, for all intents and purposes. Is piece of wire it's not even a light it's right. a it's a, it's a diode, diode it's that's a, glowing. that emits light <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um i think well i know um choppers are coming back mm-hmm. i don't think they ever went away they did for a lot of people but the new bikes are just absolutely ridiculous price wise all the parts are really expensive because we allowed that to happen um i mean I know a couple of, of young guys that I help, I mentor, and they're all in the bagger scene. And there's people dropping $7,000 for a front end. And then they got to buy the matching shocks for the rear. You know? And they're using about 5 to 10% of what that part was intended Capable, to do. Yeah, you know. You look at the chicken strips on their tires, and it's like as wide as a credit card. Yeah. So let me ask you about this then. You just mentioned. Um, because we let it happen. What did we let happen? Well, um, and, and you control. Can be, as, be as honest as you as you feel about it. Like, where's the genesis of that that being a problem? I think it's be, uh, we allowed it to happen because we didn't have a trade show and didn't discuss and drive the new direction, which that always happens. That is a very strong statement about that. I never thought about it from that point of view. There's not a trade show. There's not a room that we all get in and hold each other accountable. There's no accountability. You're welcome to pull a chair up, sir, if you'd like to hear this. <laughs> Please join us. Um, we hold each other accountable back yeah, then. and we discussed where and what was happening. You know, we didn't, like, immediately say, okay, we're going we're gonna to do bobbers for the next three years, so everybody do build bobber parts and build bobbers. It just kind of morphed into that uh, and we just backed off and the motor company says hey we've got this let's do that I mean and they're selling there's CVOs we call them CVOs um, $50,000 motorcycle are you kidding me I know it just drives me crazy and I walked into a dealership that I hadn't been in and I'm greeted by two people and then they want to show me the latest, greatest, and they're like, and look, you can push this button and it locks your saddlebags, and you push this button and it'll unlock them. And I go, they don't have keys? And then they're like, well, well, here's a USB port on the neck. And I go, what do you do with that? You know? And I get it. They're catering to the people who are buying the bikes. Um, good for them. But, yeah, we let it go. We, we had, I, I hate to use the word control, but we had steering ability to some degree to we had our hands on the rudder absolutely and i think everybody just you know got kind of comfort and no drive and well i'm making enough money i love that analogy i had never thought for one second that 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 may be one of the key points of why we lost control of the rudder and so you know what happened in 2020 happens and we find out how little influence we actually have on what raw materials go into you know you somebody brings you a part and you said you reverse engineer or however you have to do you make the part and you give them that part 
And then they take that part and they paid you for that part. They paid you for your time. You show them that it fits. And what they do with that is up to them. But when they ship it, put it in a box, even if they hand carry it and go overseas, now you you're it gets a, a little bit more diluted and a little bit more diluted and a little bit more diluted. And the guy that paid you X number of dollars for a prototype needs to recover that. And then he starts thinking zeros. Yeah. And he's cutting his nose off to spite his face, stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime at the end of the day. Taking a less margin. And, you know, it's proof people are willing to pay for whatever they want. Sure. They'll, they'll find a way. Um, but to, to cheapen the stuff... Do you feel like the value of parts haven't gone down, but the value of... The quality has. But the So the value of not the consumer, because I don't want to disparage the consumer. I want to disparage their expectations. The quality of their expectations. They don't know the difference between a 6061 T6. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, there's not an education piece, right? You put this pretty part out on the Internet, and maybe it's made in Italy or... Maybe it's made in, um, you know, in Taiwan, not China, which you can we can have that conversation because I know very little about that. But I know, you know, much more than I do about that. Um, the the cus- there, there's no there's they don't know what that means. Right. You know, they know if they buy their wife a Louis bag, they know it's you know, they know the, the brand. Right. Yeah. Because they control that. But there's brands. Have we if part of letting go of the rudder? Have we let go of? what that means like the brand recognition and brand awareness absolutely uh, there there are good brands that stand the test of time uh, over my span in this business uh, or life that people call business um, there's and there's people that come in and they're, they're you know trying to grab dollars and producing garbage and then they're gone and then somebody else does the same thing uh, I think a lot of people are searching for an easy bug. How does a consumer know if they're getting a good part? You know, I'm... How do you do the research? Like, you know, I mean, well, you do, you, do you trust a kid on social media that's getting paid to wear a certain shirt and tell you that the product is on their bike, whether they are, the, whether they are or they're not, but they're doing a wheelie for a mile, so that must, must mean that good. their suspension's yeah. good? Do you see where I'm going with yeah, that? Like, yeah. you know, how do we know? How do we educate that? How do we get our hands back on the rudder? Man, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that was coming, but uh, I really don't know because this influence of social media is the thing, you know? That's what they everybody wants, an influencer, somebody that can pedal the parts, can tell you this is the best thing ever. Um, and they, the, the person that's telling you that, you trust them because they've got 25,000 followers. Right. That Show me some cr- cr- credentials, real deal. How long have you been doing this? Three years, not enough time, man. You know, three years doesn't tell you anything. Where'd you, where'd you come from? There's not ten thousand work hours in three years worth of career time. No, there's not. And I believe that. Do you believe in that ten thousand? Do you know what I'm talking about? The ten thousand hour mark, where that's where you're supposed to. That's you know that the book is. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what the name of that book is, but it's. Um, it's basically it. It says that that's where you, it, that's where you become an expert in your field. Is at the ten thousand hour mark? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, three years. You've got what six hundred hours? Yeah. I mean, if you're working, if even if you're forty, working, hour, 40 work. hour work week, that's two thousand eighty a year. Mm-hmm. So you're, you've got to be four and a half, five years in, solid doing the same thing before mm-hmm. I think you've any discernible and, talent and and yeah. and. and recognition and, and ability to go like if a guy like you comes up i know you're credentialed so if you say hey man if you look at one of my bikes and you go hey man i really think that you might want to get rid of that yeah but do people even do that anymore not everything's real. on social media that's, so if you put on there hey that that's not going to work well all of a sudden it's this ego driven conversation where it's like no man like for real like you know this that the math doesn't add up you can't you can fight physics all you want but you're not going to beat physics never Gravity wins. Exactly. And geometry is, 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 it is what it is. It's this way thus far, this way that far, right? And that's why it works. Right. And there's That's people. why it's universal. It yeah. works in India just as much as it works in China as it works in America. But it's got to be correct from the get-go. <laughs> yeah. So and, my point is going back to the conversation, and I know this is a hard one to come up with because you might not have an answer, but 
Um, we held each other accountable when we were all in the same room in Cincinnati. I think that was one piece, accountability. Because I've seen it happen, and I know you've seen it happen. You've been in Champ Sports Grill there oh, in, in, that, in the Millennium Hotel. Yeah. And you've seen guys. I mean, I've seen everything from hands being thrown to beer bottles being thrown to, like... But these these were not chicken shit arguments. No, these were two grown men that believed they were right and that were both trying to be right and both trying to solve a problem for a bunch of other people. Yeah, and I don't think our problems are the same anymore. Probably not. Another thing that really hurts is there's, uh, man, print media. You know, it's it's going away or it's gone away, and those that are there are struggling. So um, tell me what you think about that. Well, it's reference. You know, and when you have a magazine that you can open and turn it to a page and you have this information from a credible writer, from somebody that's been doing it for a while, you don't doubt it. But with the social media thing, it's here today, gone tomorrow, or you can dig for that post or whatever. It's impossible to even do that anymore, the yeah. way the algorithm works. Yeah, yeah, because like I've got a bunch of people that follow me, but they, they're like, oh, I don't see anything. Well, I haven't posted anything in a while. Right. That may be one, but two... I've got friends that I follow so we can stay connected, and I don't see anything from them. And I know they're posting because I'll go to their homepage, and there's 30 posts that I've never even seen. So so it's being filtered too much. You know? Well, and it's because they're trying, because the people who control, it's like they used to say, when you control, the, when you control, when you own the news, you can bend it any way that you want, right? So they control the news, they being social media companies, companies like Meta that owns Instagram and yeah. Facebook, right? Yeah. So there's another conversation that needs to be had about, about that. And there's really, there's no way to have any, any dog in that fight other no. than the fact that you're just... You're either in or, or you're, you're out, out, right? Based off of how many people are following you and how well you're hashtagging the thing. It's, right, yeah. It's, it's not... There's a science, but... That's the part I hate about it is like, I want to follow you. I want to see every post that you put up because I would follow before social media. You would be the guy that would be looking in the magazine to see what's Larry doing right now. Yeah. You know, did he come up with a solution for one of the problems? Because our problems were all the same in the motorcycle business. Oh yeah. I mean, we can we can talk about you know. Uh, there's a certain company whose lifters are having the problem right now, or there's a company that's having, oh, you know, the last 10 cases that came from so-and-so in the middle of the country there down south, um, the the studs were pulling. I'm, I'm making shit yeah, up yeah, right yeah, now. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that information, isn't it amazing how fast that information would, would go through without with no social media? Yeah, yeah. We knew, like, when you found a problem, you would we tell somebody. We might be talking just to casual conversation on the phone right tell you and then you tell somebody and then it's that it's that, like, it's well, that the Bush secret yeah yeah it's 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 amazing that that's what happens so if we're going to be the problem solvers if larry if you and i are going to be the guys going to fix all this so, stuff man i'm known as a problem solver but i don't think this this is huge man can we put the smoke back in the bottle and get and prop up print media again and and get in and, and create a room a space where we can all get in there and have those conversations again is that possible is there a way for us to do that and, I, and if so how do we do it <laughs> um i didn't mean to laugh but man that's no, a, i get it a, it's a big fix you know i would say buy print media demand print media you know there's there's all the magazines there used to be like 12 publications and i know i think it's down to two yeah, classic easy riders and cycle source. Yeah, are the only two actual printed magazines. I mean, you know, there's American Rider, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but we're we're in a small percentage of the motorcycle business as a whole. Yeah, and I like to say the custom motor, motorcycle industry is the smallest billion dollar industry I can think of. And it's the only one where I'm one or two phone calls away from the CEO of any company in, right. this, in this industry. Yeah. People on the outside think this is huge, you know, and it's like, ooh, the motorcycle industry, man, you know. Do you know so-and-so? Have you ever met him? What's, what's it really like? Well, it, they're friends. Yeah. I don't even think about it. It's like I, I've had a pretty good stint in the music business, okay? I don't have one picture of anybody that I hung with rolled with anything else you know right. the, and i may have if there was had been social media in at that time but still today i don't do it i mean i've taken i brought a slr 
and I've got this phone with a camera built into it. Right. And I've taken two pictures. <laughs> it's and it's just you know, I don't know. I get it, and it, it's it's so it's it's one of those things where. I kind of feel that same way too, even though I'm trying to be a voice for the, the custom motorcycle industry and I'm trying to be the person that puts out content that is meaningful, right? And having conversations like this and trying to problem solve and, and put ideas into people's heads. If I can't get a good quality guest, I'm not just gonna put shit out there. And I think that's something that has to has to be said about no matter what you're doing. Well, yeah, but the problem, the, therein lies the problem, quality put out quality shit right not just crap you know content content i know p- people <laughs> that post two or three times a day something related to the, what they're doing right just to keep their numbers up right that's what we talked about where you don't see you wouldn't see my post if i'm not kind of hashtagging and you're hash, you know what i mean yeah it's just, and it's, that's uh, that's bullshit it's a weird way to communicate if you ask me yeah it truly is but there's really nothing else to do you know unfortunately no. um i have my instagram page just because i use it for business you know i don't post what i'm eating <laughs> i don't post pictures of my food and, and, crap and your like family that. and and yeah, all that yeah. stuff it's just a motorcycle so Lone Star Choppers is when when someone wants a bike or you're building a bike, that's the moniker that you you do that under. Um, what are you working on right now? What's something? Do you have a do you, do you do projects in like long term goals or you know the project happens as it happens? Long term goal happen? is to you know uh, keep up with all the bills, right? <laughs> and uh, right now I've got a really cool project going uh, for a client in California, and it's a Norton Atlas frame, which is mm-hmm. a gorgeous little frame, but I'm putting a pan head in it, and it'll be a cafe racer, a 93 inch pan head, doing a six and a four, but I've got to turn the transmission on its side because I don't have the real estate for the length of the frame. Sure. So then that's build a primary. Oh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be. Make cool sure bike. the transmission is is adequately oiled yeah and not leaking and all yeah, because, those, those new challenges yeah it's not in the position that it was in, designed for right so but there's a company baker drivetrain that's wonderful to work with on really stupid projects and it's not stupid but stupid in the sense that you can't just bolt it together so when you're doing something like that and you're gonna i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna try to visually um describe this for for folks sure so that you have the shifter arm that would controls the shifter pole because the six and a four actually borrows from the uh the late model style uh shifter pole mechanism which works right. way better than the early ratchet Anything. stuff yeah <laughs> or the cow pie stuff dare i say um are you able to move that lever and clock that lever to where it has a reach or are you having to redesign that whole piece yeah so all, it's redesigned it's like you have to do the fit and then make the function happen and it's whatever it takes to do that. It, that in itself, it may end up with a bell crank to change direction. So you just answered a good question for me, or wrote, created a new question for me. I like to ask people when they're when they're doing engineering and design and, and building. Do you come it from a problem solving mentality, or are you coming it from a problem creating mentality, like an artist would? it's probably both you know it's what it is in the moment like I, I've got a, a long bike I built for myself crazy amount of hours in it built everything on it and I had always envisioned the controls being in a cert, certain way and I had the frame done it's not going to fit on my mill I can't bend the tubing in that type of radius so I considered machining these little horns to mount the controls and I just kind of mocked that up with some flat stock and it was like the wrong direction. So uh, it was like, what the hell do I do? I mean, I'm like way deep in this bike and it's mine and I'm pushing myself in and pushing as hard as I can to make a serious statement with it. Um, I ended up doing a- I just got louder all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting, looking to see if somebody was gonna throw something. All the people just- Right, made a lot of noise. Up or something. So you're, you're, you're problem solving, solving. the- problems that you created <laughs> yeah 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 but it turned out really cool and uh it was amazing how it came off you know <laughs> but uh that's a long story but 
What are we missing from, what are we missing in the industry as far as product-wise? If you said, hey, you know what, if some young kid came to you and said, hey, let me sweep your shop, Larry. I want to learn from you. Um, but I need, what I'd like to leave here with is some skill, and I'd like to leave here with some direction. What direction would you push him in or her? Craft it, you know. This young man that uh, I'm mentoring on overall, you know, form function, making stuff right he's 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 really doing well um but i one day said i can't believe that you guys call yourself builders you're bolting shit together you're buying this from this guy this from that guy all the bikes are the same put some craft into it you know mm -hmm. learn how to weld learn how to machine learn how to you know craft it become a craftsman instead of a boltsman right <laughs> <laughs> I like that, dude. We used to call them bobs, you know? Bolt-on. Uh, bullshit. Yeah, bolt-on bullshit. Yeah. And that's kind of what's today. And his response to me was, hey, man, that's the way it is now. And we're having fun. And we're spending money. And we're keeping the industry alive. And I said, you're not keeping the industry alive. You have a tiny segment of it for a little while. So don't get comfortable with it because it's going to change. And it changes. It's so cyclic. And we go, you know baggers weren't there right they are now and now they're racing them right so and everybody wants to you know the seven thousand dollar front end and three thousand dollar rear shocks the carbon fiber wheels and you know it's like you got to have that no you don't have to have that are you racing no you're not you're trying to show that you can spend more money than everybody else well if that's the case you're one yeah let's let's run that credit card up to the moon well yeah and then get another one yeah um you know learn how to make things uh, that's part of what happened with this whole falling off of where we were going is they pulled a lot of vocational education out of schools you know they pulled the machine shop they pulled the welding shop you know when I was in high school there was a foundry there was a machine shop a wood shop on mechanic shop and I was in all of them right you almost couldn't get through all of them I was at the tail end of that where you could take wood shop but you couldn't take there wasn't enough there wasn't Hours a space in, in your day, day because yeah. they were so centric on university that you're going to college, son. So you couldn't get you could only get so many electives. Right. Instead of keeping the kid in school, keeping the kid engaged, keeping the kid doing something with their hands and their mind instead yeah. of just when they started telling everybody you got to sit down, you got to read this, this is the what and it's like I saw that as a high school teacher that there were kids that the minute you told them they had to sit down and read they were done. They shut off. They shut off. And then we over-medicate those kids and we label them ADHD or oppositional defiant disorder when they would send them into my class and I would give them options. They were wonderful students. Yeah. And I could even get them to do some of their work from their other classes. Well, I was one of those guys. I mean... I thankfully was allowed to take as many auto shop classes as I wanted, but I didn't have room to do the auto shop and the metal shop and that and I, I wished I had because yeah. I didn't really you know we don't no one has a crystal ball just like no one has x-ray glasses what are you going to be yeah what are you going to do what would you be doing if motorcycle if you had never if motorcycles didn't exist but everything else in the world did what do you think where do you think you'd be sitting at what do you think you'd be into uh probably be a blacksmith really yeah, yeah. my grandfather was a blacksmith and I think a little bit of that got cast to me somehow um you know and blacksmiths solve problems and make stuff from they do, mind. yeah. They don't just do horseshoes, and they don't just—they don't do it from drawing. There's a sketch, but it's not a scaled drawing. You know, you just make it, and that's kind of how I do stuff. Um, I worked in a shop for a while that, that the lead, the, the head of the R&D department was a apprentice tool and die maker, old school. You know, and I'm flying on stuff, no drawings, creating prototype parts. And, and it just pissed him off. He goes, you can't do that without a drawing. I go, I, look, I just did it. Right. So what's your problem? He goes, well, I don't know how you're doing that. I said, it's, there's a difference, you know. You use the same recipe every time. You have to look at the paper to read the, the tolerance, and then you build it to that. I said, my, my shit's going to work just fine, but I see the part done. I just remove all the stuff that's not needed to be the part I want. And he couldn't no vision you know it's just right. like a machine right he's the predecessor to a cnc you know he's been programmed to 
run it one way. Yeah, he's been thinking in a very linear manner, waiting for those numbers to jump off the page right. and tell him what to do rather than just do it, solving the problem. Oh, a couple times I just, the guy got so mad at me, it was ridiculous. I'm like, huh? You can only pick one, but what is your most treasured skill? You can only pick one. Um, <laughs> fabricating. So okay. it encompasses everything. Sure. I weld every day. I machine every day. So I guess, you know, it's a combination of stuff. What is your most treasured tool? The one tool that... that can't live without? It can't. It just absolutely cannot be who Larry is without that tool. Because you would still... The, the reason why I ask people this is if you, you know, if you were stranded on a desert island with Gilligan and you still want to be who Larry is in the community that that, that community would be, what is the one tool that you, you would treasure? Probably a welder. Um, I'm pretty good at welding. I've get, had been fortunate enough to be uh, taught by some people who are, were absolutely amazing. They were the cutting edge of what people are doing today. And I, I got to work around them. I volunteer my time. Uh, and I learned from a coach crafter uh, I would work all day, and on my way home, I'd pass by a shop, and, and I knew it was there, but I never met the man. I stopped in, and one day I said, hey, you know, I'm Larry, and I've heard all about you. Well, he says, well, let's get in here and do something. Oop. That's your phone. That's my phone. How rude. It's these so, damn I, the iWatch, the Apple iWatch. I even had it on Do Not Disturb. Um, I don't want to... Where it's C. Right? I so, want to... Uh, yeah, the one time I have service, someone's yeah, going to call yeah, me. Right, exactly. Um, we've talked about the fact that they've removed industrial arts programming, yeah. Yeah. and it's starting to come back. Yeah, and I'm a super proponent of it. So, with if you have a, let's say there's a young there's a young man listening to this or a young lady listening to this right now that loves motorcycles, they don't even know why yet. How do they get into this industry? What do they got to do? Everything is so media, digital media driven. How do they get into the industry? In it, it, it's what what do you want to do? You want to design stuff. You want to build parts. You know, are you a CNC operator? Which is unfortunately about where all, a lot of it is. But you know, get some technical training, hands on. Learn how to craft. Um, to get in this business, you know, for me, I was so consumed with wanting this motorcycle, and I, I really wanted to be world champion motocross racer. Well, I sucked at motocross. I broke 13 bones motocrossing. Um, but I found out that I was really good at road racing, and that was all driven from running from the cops because I was left 12 years old on the street, no license, no nothing, but I had to get to work, you know? My dad passed away when I was quite young, and my job, I got a job at 11 working at a Yamaha shop because of what I had done. Well, and the, the real thing that lit my wick was this movie called On Any Sunday. Huh. I saw that at a midnight showing a private, kind of a private screening. They were doing a real test on it, you know, and with my friend. And I'm just like, man, I, I love motorcycles and I want to do all of that. And there's a couple things on there that I haven't done, um, but they're coming up. But What are they? Um, land speed record. Okay. Yeah. They're a real crazy thing. Um, it's going to be, this will be a good one to watch. Be a couple, it's a couple years out, but it's going to happen. Uh, I was going to do go to Bonneville this year, but of course it got canceled. It got canceled because of rain, right? Yeah, yeah. Figures. Great timing, right? Right. <laughs> but it leveled the salt out. Yeah. They said the salt is the best it's ever been now that it's dry. That's good. But uh, yeah. Uh, so to get into business, okay, I hung around motorcycle shops whenever I wanted, you know, or whenever I could. Um, I raced motorcycles. I was totally consumed by them, and I've got fabrication skills that I've had probably all my life and you know I people say how did you do that and the, my pat answer is I didn't know I couldn't so you just go for it you know how do you do that where'd you get that I made it really it looks like it came from a factory I said, well that's because you become a craftsman and you make your shit nice sketchy is out junk is out boogered up welds is out I see them but it's like, man, you're trusting that? Well, it'll hold. 
Yeah, until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. Until it breaks. Yeah. Everything works until it doesn't. Everything's everything's put together until it breaks. Yeah. And some stuff is planned to break, but yeah, that's a whole nother story. How do people find you on Instagram? Uh, Lone Star Choppers. That's awesome. it. That's it. Yeah. So, if y'all want to follow along my madness, uh, when I get off the boat, I'll be posting some stuff. And this land speed record is. I do stuff that comes so far out of left field that. It's amazing. It amazes me. It's like, okay, let's go do this. All right. So uh, it's going to be a good ride. Well, I give you all the luck I can give you. As uh, and I'm I'm so thankful that we actually got to meet and hang out this whole week. And uh, I think we're buddies now. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be calling you when I run into problems. Absolutely, man. <laughs> and you amaze me. You know your 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 knowledge base for everything that's going on in your businesses. Or it's fabulous. Thanks, man. I, that means a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, well. It's to the grind, you know. You got to get it done. You do what you do. What yeah. you have to do. Let's see if we can make this thing work for for everybody, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. Thank you. Bye.